Hello there, friends, and welcome back to the New Blocks podcast. We've got some more cryptocurrency blockchain news for you today. Episode number eight, we're going to be talking about altcoins today, also known as alternate coins, the things out there besides the Bitcoins, besides the Ethereums that we've talked about so much. We're going to talk about uh, some of the other stuff out there. But first things first, Kevin, welcome back, buddy. How are you? Doing well. Uh, another week went by. Lots of lots of cool crypto news going on. Um, still, we got to get through a lot more of the the fundamentals. I feel before we can start to talk about a lot of uh, the the exciting stuff that's going on in DeFi uh, and uh, altcoins. Seems like a good place to start because I think a lot of people may have heard of a lot of projects from the the previous uh, market cycle. In 2017, there was a ton of uh, ton of projects that, you know, their prices shot up and people were buying them without even really knowing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I thought this might be a good place to, to kind of circle back, see how different projects did uh, since then. And, you know, help people parse out what exactly it is that they're, um, you know, what it is that they're considering investing and, and how they might approach a decision about like what what coins uh, they, they might want to care about. Which cryptocurrency is for me? Because Lord knows there's a whole bunch of them out there, Kevin. So uh, a lot of diversity on that front. And today we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson as well, because a lot of these altcoins were born from a different era, you know, three, four years ago, um, when the blockchain space just looked a lot different. You know, the technology moves quickly in this, uh, this sphere. Yeah, it definitely does. And, and again, I mean, like any other episode, none of this is financial advice, but I feel like yeah. in particular, it's worth mentioning that today because um, I, I think uh, the, the TLDR on a lot of this is that um, you really do need to kind of understand what it is that you're putting your money into. And that's not something that yeah. I or you can do for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's start with a little a history lesson here. Um, so the term altcoin came about uh, as Bitcoin was, uh, you know, starting to gain some traction and and some other projects started popping up that were all trying to kind of do something similar. Mm -hmm. Um, And so altcoin alternative to Bitcoin, um, it's a very Bitcoin centric uh, term that has sort of since um, fallen out of popularity outside of the, the Bitcoin maximalists camp. So, you know, when you when you talk about the cryptocurrency communities, there's sort of the Bitcoin maximalists that think that, you know, all of the world's currencies are going to collapse into Bitcoin and nothing else matters and Bitcoin's <laughs> going to be the only thing left. Um, and then there's sort of everyone else that's like, okay, maybe it's not that simple and, and maybe... Uh, maybe yeah. Not everything's competing against Bitcoin. Well, that, that's the weird thing about maximalism. And I think it's it cuts both ways where it doesn't only imply you think Bitcoin is the best. It implies that also that you think everything else is completely inferior sort of by definition. And sometimes that can lead to um, very one-sided conversations, let's say. Um, and and yeah. there's, there's a lot out there in the cryptocurrency space. Uh, but there was a time when it was just Bitcoin. 
right? And this is how every technology works. Think about the iPhone, right? This full screen touch phone. As soon as the first one comes out, it gets reverse engineered and everybody else wants to get in on this new technology and have their own spin on it. So this is just following suit with many other human innovations where a real breakthrough will lead to a, a lot of imitators and follow-ups that don't have that first mover advantage, but think they have some sort of a niche or differentiator somewhere else on the spectrum. Yep. Uh, and when it comes to when it comes to blockchains, the the way that you go about creating a new project, um, you could start from scratch and you could, um, you know, write all new code. Uh, or alternatively, you could do what's called forking, mm-hmm. um, which you think of like a fork in the road. Um, you take the existing state of the network, um, so and you you fork it and create this new split that creates two separate blockchains. Um, and so that's oftentimes what you what we saw very early on. We saw mm-hmm. people that were taking Bitcoin and they were forking it to create like a variant of it. So mm-hmm. we started seeing ones like Bitcoin Cash, uh, which then forked again into like Bitcoin ABC and Bitcoin Satoshi's oh, Vision. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these forks then started splitting off and having their own sub forks. Um, <laughs> we saw Litecoin was another very popular fork and still is a, a pretty, uh, it's, I forget what it is on the on so, the market cap list. I think it's like number 10 right now. Does so. Litecoin count as a fork because it has a different algorithm? Is that just a different? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. The, it, so the, the, con, the, the term fork uh, is, is often used uh, to be pretty black and white, but it doesn't always... Uh, like forks of a currency don't always have to use 100% of the code that exists on that currency. So mm-hmm. yeah, there there might have be been a differentiation in the way that Litecoin came about where it was like sort of a, a created as a separate um, project. Um, but yeah, so not all forks are created equally. Gotcha. Um, but there's been many others as well. There's like Bitcoin SV. I don't know if you mentioned that one, like Bitcoin Gold, I think. There's been a lot of uh, additional names. Um, and a lot of them have have stuck around, but some have also uh, gone by the wayside, right? We have seen some of these newer cryptocurrencies pop up and then die. Yeah, and, and it, it comes down to uh, if these forked versions of a, of a given project um, are able to gain traction. And what we've seen with forks of Bitcoin is that they really don't. <laughs> um, I, I mean, like <laughs> to some degree, some of these float around higher in market cap than they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for the most part, uh, you need a, a decently distinct value proposition that differs from Bitcoin aside from, you know, Bitcoin only the block size is slightly larger. Um, that was the initial Bitcoin cash fork. Uh, and one of the one of the reasons why um, this is the case, if we break down crypto projects into two categories, there's ones that are attempting to create a, a new base money. Um, so what I mean by base money, it's all it is is just a currency, and it's sort of competing at the level of a currency like any other, like mm-hmm. u s dollar. Um, like, uh, you know, any other fiat currency and like all it's doing is money. Um, so that's a base money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, a smart contracts platform like Ethereum uh, or some of these other uh, smart contracts platform where it's not just trying to be money. Um, yes, Ethereum has an asset called ETH that uh, does exist as a currency sort of alongside something like Bitcoin. However, the the purpose of 
ETH is to uh, provide a, a mechanism to power this Ethereum virtual machine. So it's 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 not trying to compete one to one. So right. when I say that uh, the term altcoin is sort of like more so used from the Bitcoin maximalist uh, camp, mm -hmm. it's because they see that as competing one to one, and that's not really the case. I see. And so a lot of these forks that they started, um, like you, you literally copy the blockchain, right? So they call it a fork because they have a shared chain up into a certain point where they then split and then they have a different set of transactions. So if you have Bitcoin, let's say you own Bitcoin and then there's a fork, you would own coins on that fork as well, right? Like when Bitcoin Cash was created, I automatically owned some because because I already owned Bitcoin on that shared chain, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So it takes the initial state of the chain prior to the fork and just copy pastes. And so if you have X Bitcoin, you now have X times two effectively. But okay. it's important to understand that um, when a fork occurs, while you will have the same number of those currencies, uh, the value won't necessarily um duplicate right like if that were the case we could just keep smashing that fork button and like we'd all be trillionaires right. and well because not everybody will adopt the fork chain right it's usually like a minority right. of users that are breaking off from the main chain like when we say fork you kind of picture 50 50 but it's not it's not 50 50 it's like yeah a, most oftentimes it's it's not it's like it's a very, five percent of the fraction. network says hey we're gonna go do our own thing and then they go over here so the fork coin might be worth five percent of what the, the the primary coin is yeah, and so like okay. the the reason for forks also differs in each case. So uh, sometimes it's someone wanting to create some variation of the project. Um, sometimes there's like just a genuine dispute and like an event occurs. So uh, the Ethereum Classic fork um, mm. occurred because of a hack to a very large project that was uh, held a lot of funds on Ethereum and that the hacker was able to get away with a huge chunk of the network's uh, value. And um, Ethereum, it would have been sort of, uh, it was so early on in its life cycle that had that hack sort of like persisted and that person been able to take that, that money, it would have really th thrown uh, the potential for Ethereum kind of like out the window. So mm -hmm. what, what occurred is that uh, Vitalik, the founder of Ethereum and, and many others in the community proposed, let's uh, create a new fork of Ethereum that uh, reverts that transaction and says like, oops, we made a mistake. Like this, this mistake is so early on in the life cycle of Ethereum and so massive and detrimental to Ethereum that we are going to- It's like a one-time like, Revert it. Yeah, it's like- Exactly. A, and that's- we agree this is anti-decentralization, but as a community, we're agreeing this one time it's for the best of this network at large to for it to be able to succeed to benefit from decentralization. So it's it's a little yeah. like oxymoronic, but at the same time, you kind of get it because like if they didn't do that, you could argue maybe Ethereum wouldn't exist the way it does today. Yeah, and so like because that was not everyone agreed with this, uh, there was the initial chain of it, which is now called Ethereum Classic, persisted. So Ethereum Classic was the version of the chain where the hack continued to persist. And then the fork of Ethereum is the one that we all call Ethereum today. Wow. Um, and so anyway, all of that is to say that um, forks can come about through a few different reasons. Um, is Ethereum like, Classic still going, just out of curiosity? Because that seems like 
it, it seems wild to me that people would want to hang on to a, a chain that had this huge blunder, let's call it, attached to it. Yeah. So it's I I'm trying to scroll through the list of all <laughs> like the top. It looks pretty uh, low. Coins, um, and it's not I'm not finding it. Uh, OK, so that's number 70 on the total list. Okay. So yeah, it technically exists. But yeah, for that reason, like Ethereum is more than just the price of the token. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you were to uh, try to like get all of uh, post fork, uh, all of the developers and sort of community continued to form around this one fork. Uh-huh. But now there's this like sort of small little uh, chain that's like all it really has on it now is just like the initial transactions and like maybe a project or two. There's not a ton of actual usage that's happening on Ethereum Classic. So it's right. kind of just slowly making its way down the. So, the OK, cool. So, so what else do we have here, Kev? There's, there's a bunch of other coins. What else are we diving into here? Yeah, so I, I think another another um, side to this, aside from just forks, uh, are these different projects that popped up around the 2017 era. Um, and one one type of project that I want to to highlight in particular are projects that were uh, like really rallying around this idea of like the speed and the price of transactions being as low as possible. So they, they would point to something like Bitcoin that has 10 minute block times or mm-hmm. Ethereum that has 12 second block times and say like, all oh, that's garbage. Like our chain can process, you know, like new blocks every one second. And uh, like, my computer is faster than your computer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and like the cost of transaction is like next to nothing. Um, and so a couple of the projects like this, uh, EOS, uh, Tron, XRP, uh, these were all projects that like gained a ton of popularity. I mean, XRP is still uh, as the time at the time of recording this that's number Ripple, seven, right? XRP. Yes, that's Ripple. Yeah, um, but like in each of these cases, uh, these are very very centralized projects where all uh, or most of the nodes that exist on that um, that blockchain are all run by the company that created the project. Um, and as we've talked about in the past, uh, the way that blockchains work is they take decentralization and they convert it into trust. And if you have zero decentralization to begin with, don't put a lot of trust into that blockchain. Yeah. Um, so, And one of the uh, other ones on here, the uh, the Facebook coin, right? It used to be yeah. called Libra. And I didn't even realize this until we sat down to write the notes of this episode, but they changed the name, I think, in December of last year. Now it's called Diem, D-I-E-E-M. Yeah. But uh, this is Facebook's prized cryptocurrency that I still don't understand exactly what its use case is going to be or why it, why it is something beyond just marketing buzz, but I guess TBD on that still. Yeah, it falls into this category because, again, it's sort of uh, at the expense of decentralization. It was uh, it's sort of geared toward this um, just an alternative to the dollar that could be shared. The state of the network could be shared amongst like 20 companies. So it was like Uber and PayPal and Visa and like all these big financial uh, and other and tech companies would all sort of be the nodes on the network. But again, I mean, without decentralization, all it takes is uh, the the Fed to step in and be like, hey, uh, start censoring transactions, please. And everyone's going to go ahead and comply because they don't want to ruin their businesses. Um, Gotcha. Yeah. So another another bucket 
that to talk about um, that sort of came about during the 2017 boom and, and some projects that had started prior um, are these like what are called third gen blockchains or Ethereum killers. Mm. Uh, these are all projects that sort of focus on the smart contracts platform uh, side of, of the coin. So they're not just trying to be base monies. They're trying to compete directly with Ethereum. So like Tezos, um, Cardano, even though there's after years still no smart contracts exist on Cardano, uh, Solana, even Binance chain. Um, these are all projects that sort of like tried to take what Ethereum was doing and do it better. Um, and over time, what has kind of happened is that because Ethereum has been around for so long, it has achieved so much more developer adoption that more mm -hmm. projects exists on the network that have drawn in more users and more community has formed. And so uh, even if some of these other alternative projects like have some valid points and like might be making some sort of technical improvements in one way or another, mm -hmm. we're not seeing a ton of, of adoption in, in most of these cases. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, Binance is like the only one that is um, achieving a bit more adoption, but again, it's it's owned by a single company. Uh, it's yeah, to me, not not the most interesting thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it goes back to that that old clip that I think many of us have seen of Steve Ballmer, the old CEO of Microsoft. Developers, 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 <laughs> developers, developers, developers. Um, that's yep. that's like the base of your pyramid when it comes to anything in the digital world, and that's not even unique to blockchain, right? That's unique to just any kind of apps, any kind of platform, even like phone operating system, right? What is the yeah. key to Apple's App Store? thriving, it's that they have a lot of developers that are making apps and growing the whole ecosystem. It's an acceleration thing. And it's not like this linear growth over time. The more stuff you have, the more people want to develop there, the more users use it. That feedback loop uh, really allows you to grow quickly. And being like a startup in comparison to that, it is so hard to get traction. You have to have a really, really strong value proposition for people to give up the opportunity cost of working on the biggest platform, right? Why would you want to write apps for Zyori phone system when you could write apps for the, the Apple OS, right? <laughs> it's yep. kind of obvious. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've seen all of the projects that even Google, a huge company, has to make work. Like after Facebook got popular, they made Google Plus. And like, I, when that came out, I was like, yo, Google could totally compete with Facebook. Like if anyone can, it's going to be Google. Yeah. And like, no, it didn't matter at all. Yep. Uh, Perfect example. Yeah. The, the last uh, section of this that I wanted to chat about is this uh, sort of like a small bucket of projects that recognize that Ethereum has uh, sort of taken... Uh, the the lion's share of the smart contract platform um but don't necessarily want to um pick a winner because they see that you know there are other projects that are like slowly gaining some traction um and so there there's these uh polka dot and cosmos that are attempting to be sort of like the glue uh, or like the internet of blockchains hmm. where they want to be the glue between different networks so that um, they can allow blockchains to interact with each other. So, so like, so Ethereum could talk to Bitcoin and back and forth. They, they would be like a translator between those two yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, okay. exactly. And, and I'm not even sure if it, Bitcoin is sort of so siloed off on its own little world that I'm not even sure if they're attempting to make that 
action in particular, but like, <laughs> you know, the Tezos, the, the, the Solanas of the world, they want to be able to connect to Ethereum so that, you know, oh, okay. it, maybe, maybe Ethereum becomes the metropolis and these other blockchains end up differentiating themselves enough to be uh, valuable in some other way. And okay. maybe we can like add some roads between those two. So that's again, an interesting concept. Is a Still pretty early stage, I imagine, right? So it's really yeah. more just conceptual than something we could really like dive into. Yeah, so Cosmos has been around for a bit. I've seen them at uh, blockchain conventions and they, they've they <laughs> got some adoption. Uh, they, Polkadot's a bit newer. Um, they they have their differentiations, but like yeah, for the most part, I, I'm I'm somewhat cool. interested in this area, at least more so than the 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 chains that are like more so directly trying to compete and say that they are better mm -hmm. than Ethereum, because so far they haven't really proven that. Gotcha. Um, yeah, at least that that's I like that they're trying to tackle a different niche. You know, there's a value proposition yeah. there, so to speak. Um, all right. Well, how about we do some lightning round here, buddy? Let's uh, let's talk about some altcoin questions. How do I differentiate between marketing and tech? Now, I got a little anecdote to share here. I have a Litecoin miner sitting in my shelves over there. Um, I was holding Litecoins for a really long time. A little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of Ethereum, but I really bought in to the marketing and the dialogue around Litecoin. This idea that you know the miners are a little less power intensive, um, it, the transactions are are cheaper and and faster and the good old saying the silver to bitcoins gold now when i first heard that i couldn't tell you what it means but i definitely felt like hell yeah i would buy silver instead of gold i'm buying litecoin and then i bought some litecoins i'm like a little embarrassed to admit that because i feel like that's just straight marketing but it was so convincing how do i tell the difference between that and a genuine technology yeah, I, I mean, this is like the million dollar question because it's not always to be able to guess that. I mean, I bought Litecoin as well. I, um, I, I mean, I bought worse projects as well because it's <laughs> it's not it's not always obvious uh, which way the wind will blow. And even if you do your own research, like it's hard to yeah, it's hard to know how to do your own research. Um, and so, like a couple of red flags, I would say to look out for. Um, you know, first and foremost, developers and adoption. Like, it, if you are really into speculating at like the earliest, earliest part of the project, like you're taking on a ton of risk. So, uh, so it helps to sort of like find um, like some some amount of established community that exists around the thing. And that's all, that's also hard to tell what's organic and what's not. But like, mm -hmm. um, another one is just like companies that are throwing money at marketing or projects that are that are throwing money at marketing, oftentimes that means that they're not putting that money into something more useful like the technology itself. Oh. Uh, I mean, Ethereum, there, yeah. there's never been any concept of marketing around Ethereum. Like, uh, to, to, the marketing to, is it's a hell of a good product. That That's it. Yeah, Word right? of mouth like, it, because people tell their friends how cool it is. That's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, another one, like projects that fall into that category of, of caring more about speed and the cost of transactions than decentralization. Mm -hmm. they, they try to take jabs at, uh, at some of the more established players for being expensive and slow. Like that's, that's a short-term game. Like that, there are scaling solutions that will address a lot of these problems over time. And so mm -hmm. if your entire project revolves around a short-term solution, like you're not gonna make it. Um, 
And then, you know, projects that just copy paste from stuff. So Tron is a good example of this. It's a fork of Ethereum that does not try to differentiate itself in any way. Um, and anytime that a, a protocol or a project like takes off on Ethereum, uh, Uniswap is their largest exchange. And then Tron just makes their copy paste version of Uniswap. Um, and then, you know, when Synthetix starts to get popular on Ethereum, Tron just copy paste Synthetix. And so it's like, if, if all they're doing is like copy pasting, I, I don't think that they're actually uh, yeah. providing a ton of value. It, it, uh, it reminds me yeah. of those esports journalism sites where they don't do any journalism. They just repost things that other people yeah. break. And obviously that's a part of news coverage, but ultimately you want to also break stories and bring news to the table. If you're only echoing other people's stories, you're not really a news source. You're sort of just like a retweet chamber. Yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, I exactly. feel you. Okay. Yeah, and like the the final point here is just it, projects need to differentiate from uh, established players if they're going to try to compete at that same level. Like, um, I I'm sort of feeling like at this point, uh, we don't really need another like base money in the way that Bitcoin is sort of establishing that. Um, and in the same way, like I'm not sure how many. Base uh, smart train smart contract platforms. There necessarily has to be. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's like just trying to do the same exact thing, but like tiny bit better, uh, that's not a huge differentiation. Not enough. So, uh, question for you: Will we see more forks? Is this a thing of the past, or something we will continue to see? It's a good question, one worth asking, uh, and one that has a slightly convoluted answer. Uh, technically, yes, we could see future forks. Uh, forks can happen at any time. And just saying something's forked uh, really doesn't have any implication about uh, adoption. So uh, an individual even could try to fork uh, a Bitcoin or something else tomorrow. Nobody will use it, and then it'll become obsolete almost immediately. But nothing stops them from forking it uh, um, at any time. They're generally bad for the network, and the earlier they happen in the blockchain's history, generally the less destructive they are. So the longer we go, the older the blockchains get. I think there's this sliding scale um, of it being a little bit less likely because it's so detrimental. There's like a game theory thing that starts to kick in here where everybody wants to back the blockchain that's going to be the biggest. So um, if you fork and then one of the forks doesn't go so well, um, the, the market will kind of swing back towards the main chain a lot of times. So um, technically, yes, but not really. Um, we have another point here, Kevin, that I've forgotten about, though, about having. What's the key part about having with forks? Yeah, so like, um, I think it's just the this concept of like, when a when a fork splits in half, um, that that doesn't necessarily mean that the value splits in half, right? It, it's oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I try to think of it as um, if 5% of the network and the miners and the users and the community leaves, then probably roughly 5% of the value is going to leave as well. Um, and so, you know, cutting cutting a, a blockchain in half doesn't mean you've doubled the, the block, yes, yes, or doubled um, the value, rather. It all goes back to adoption, I think is kind of a key point here. Um, so question for you, though, how um, can I tell if a cryptocurrency is artificially inflated? 
Uh, because in theory, right, like a rich actor could come in and, you know, make it appear like uh, there's a bunch of micro transactions happening or look at all these new users using the blockchain. But really, that's just one millionaire who's broken that million dollars into a lot of little transactions to make it look like there's all this organic growth. Does that happen? How, how, how can I tell yeah. if that's that's like a thing that is happening? Is it a pump and dump or is it real? It's hard to tell. Uh, uh, and I mean, we saw a lot of this cycle where, you know, investors would throw money at a project and they would do it by going and buying the currency instead of like, uh, you know, through typical means. And, and that makes it appear as though there's like so much adoption and people are just, you know, scraping to get this new currency. But like, you know, it's, it's hard to tell when it's real. Uh, one anecdotal story of of a of a situation where this kind of occurred to some degree was uh recently i think it was last year uh the solana blockchain uh had some issue there was a bug and because it's a pretty centralized blockchain like all nodes are somewhat controlled by a few people and the whole blockchain went down for like six hours like that in itself is is a bit embarrassing if you're trying to compete with something like Ethereum. Right. But what was a little more embarrassing is when they turned their blockchain back on, um, their one big sort of uh, flagship decentralized exchange uh, app that exists on Solana, it's called Serum, um, typically gets decent amount of traffic, you know, a couple users a minute. Um, after the Solana blockchain went down and came back up, uh, a couple hours passed and there was zero traffic on Serum, like not a single like, user. Literally zero. Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, and someone called him out on Twitter and was like, hey, looks like the Serum devs forgot to turn on the totally real uh, user traffic. And within six minutes, it was like nothing changed. It was like back to regular usage, like a couple uh, users a minute. Uh, as if you know it was it wasn't just using a bot. And when it comes to this uh, this space, like blockchains and trust are very intertwined. And when you are doing shady shit that breaks the trust of a community, like why do I have any reason to believe anything that you're saying or yeah. uh, like assume that you have good intentions? So that's, that's just scary. one example, but that's yeah, real I mean, scary like anything though. else. It's, but, yeah, but we only know yeah. about that one because like in theory, they screwed up, right? They forgot to yeah. run script number two that turns the exchange uh, transactions back traffic. on. The, the fake traffic. How many of those have been doing that but didn't make that mistake? And we just it's haven't found the smoking gun yet. God, I hope it's not a lot, man. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that just means like, you know you have to you have to like be really uh sure about the the projects that you you want to invest in because there's there's a lot of money on the line or be willing to accept the risk that that's the other part too don't put money in that you're not willing to potentially lose you know if that's if that's a game changer then maybe maybe don't risk it yep all right final question what is dogecoin and why does it exist <laughs> good old dogecoin uh this is almost like its own category of meme coin and it's like <laughs> dogecoin is the bitcoin of meme coins it is the meme coin we've all seen the doge meme the cute little dog uh was it a shiba inu or whatever and he's making the face um it's yep. based off that and it was literally created as a joke the person that started it uh, i forget his name but he just wanted to see if a meme could actually take traction and go anywhere and believe it or not it did and weirdly enough 
a Dogecoin is a fork from uh, Litecoin, where it's the same algorithm. It's called Script. It's it's uh, notarized as S S Crypt, kind of you know like a play on cryptocurrency. But um, it it it's actually kind of taken off a little bit, and it doesn't have a specific purpose or utility besides being a meme. But by virtue of that, it kind of is the poster child of the power of memes. The market cap of Dogecoin right now is like six billion. Six billion. When I first read it, I was like, <laughs> oh, it must be six million. That's not that much. No, it says a B, six billion. <laughs> so um, is it a good thing or a bad thing? It, it, it's kind of both. It's it, In some ways, it's a little bit of a pump and dump. It's had its moments where it's jumped up because um, you know the people have been able to use it for the low transaction fees because it's not a network that actually gets that much traffic. Um, and then at other times, it's in recent history been pumped up by people like Elon Musk. I think Gene Simmons was tweeting about it. Um, Snoop Dogg. It, yeah, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, it, it is a little bit of like a pump and dump kind of meme on top of the meme that is memeing on the GameStop meme. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's sort of a weird, I mean, is it crazy to say that Dogecoin is like a living, breathing art piece, Kevin? Is, is that, kind of is. is that derivative? <laughs> is that reductionist? It's, it, it doesn't have a, a real value proposition, but in turn, that is its value proposition, which is a really strange meta concept. Yeah, and and I mean, I think all of that is to say, like, if if you you could invest in that, and maybe it could work out for you. I don't know. I'm not going to try to. Somebody say, well, went thirty x on Dogecoin. I hate yeah. that that's a reality, but somebody <laughs> somewhere actually did do that. Fuck. Yeah, for me personally, like, I I'm maybe just like too risk averse, but like, I don't know how many base monies we need, and. Yes, like I, I, I do agree. Like this shows the value of memes, and that's that is actually really powerful. Um, it, it's just like without differentiating itself and really only being another base money. It's I don't know, not for me, but hey, you know, maybe yeah, maybe it's for someone else. It, it's no, interesting it's to see where it's going. I as well don't hold any Doge coins, but um, yeah. So the the internet's a weird place, and sometimes things just exist for the sake of existing. Uh, so there you yep. go. What well a great said. way to, to wrap up altcoins uh, in a nutshell right there. Yeah. Um, it's been another good one. Folks, please, if you've been enjoying the podcast, uh, give us a like, give us a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify or iTunes or anywhere else, uh, shoot us your questions, shoot us your feedback. I've gotten some, some DMs from people that have said the show's helped them start to understand some of this really deep, complex world of cryptocurrency and blockchain. If you've made it this far, you're doing great. Give yourself a break this is super complicated stuff bleeding edge technology uh, it's not easy to understand so uh you know bit by bit we're all gonna get there together we appreciate you joining us and uh man press subscribe so you get the next episode right as it pops out kevin buddy i'll see you on the next one adios